This week on the Montana Men's Sports Podcast, we look at the Montana State-Eastern Washington game from last week, the Grizz win over Cal Poly, the Grizz' upcoming game against Portland State, the Cats are on a bye week, we'll do our second and ten with special guest Montana Parlay, we'll give our crowns away for the week, we do a live read of Montana Parlay's betting for the week, we talk some Calgary Stamps football, we do a little Osweiler watch, and we even have our special guest Luke from the Grizz Fans Podcast on. Let's go. everybody welcome back we're back with your favorite sports podcast in the world the montana men's sports podcast we're heading into week three of big sky conference play but before we do that since we're officially a calgary stampeders podcast now i want to wish every one of our canadian listeners a happy thanksgiving next monday and i'm also here with a special guest tonight bear tycoon uh could not be here with us tonight so i have everybody's favorite montana parlay with me how are you doing man Canadian bacon. Oh, perfect. Duh. With some poutine? <laughs> Definitely with some poutine. Um, I did notice that when I saw that it was uh, Thanksgiving in Canada, though, there's like three provinces that don't have it, so there are some ungrateful uh, provinces up there in the north. Yeah, typical Canadians. Typical. But go Stampy. But go Stamps, that's right. We call them Stamps when you're real fans. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so uh, we'll get to more of the Stampedes. I just broke my own rule there. We'll get more to the stamps later on uh, in our podcast. But first off, we just want to start with uh, how about the Montana State-Eastern Washington game? Cats just can't can't get it done. Eastern didn't play a great game. Uh, I was so disappointed in the way that game ended. Uh, I thought that was our chance to to get a big win in, in Choate's career over a top-five team, and, and it just didn't happen. Yeah, they kept it close at first, and by the time I tuned in, it just, they couldn't move the ball. You no, know, it was we'll bad. We'll get into that later as far as the scheme and who, who they're playing where. But, you know, you were at the game, is that right? Yep, I was there. And uh, the first play, I mean, Eastern came down the field and absolutely just rolled over Montana State in their first drive. But then MSU came out a little play action. Troy hit a receiver for a huge gain. And then the second play, he, he's in there for a touchdown. And you're like, all right, we might be able to hang with these dudes. It's like maybe they don't understand uh, that our offense is one-dimensional. And then, you know, our second drive had a chance again. They drove down and a horrible pitch by Anderson put us out of, uh, you know, out of the red zone. And then Bailey missed a field goal. So um, shot there, or he made that one actually. So it was 14 to 10. And, and that's when I knew I was like, they needed to score that touchdown because you cannot trade field goals for touchdowns against Eastern. No. And so, but it was, it was a fun game to watch in the sense that, Troy Anderson literally does everything. There was a couple times, I think in the second quarter and for sure in the third, where he came in on big third down plays at linebacker. And that's when you know that you are just an all-time Bobcat already is when you're the starting quarterback, but you're also in on major defensive plays that you need to spy Gubrud. And uh, there's a couple times he made some big stops. One was in the red zone in the third quarter where uh, he you know, lined up with that lineman and shed him and took down Gubrud with one arm. He's strong. Yeah, and that's awesome. It's great to root for uh, Troy in a two-way player, but I don't think it really bodes 
goes well for our chances as a Division One competitive football team when your quarterback is playing both ways. No, I agree with that too, and that just shows that there's some lack of depth at the linebacker position, and there's an obvious lack of depth at the depth at the quarterback position. Um, be right, it's like a feel-good story, but it's really not going to win you any conference championship rings. No, but. Um, so it was interesting too because Choate said that after a couple possessions he was going to bring in Rovig, which everybody I think most most fans want Rovig in now so that we can have Troy either at linebacker or running back. And he said that Troy was running the offense well enough that he didn't want to break that rhythm and bring Rovig in. And I thought that was really interesting because like you 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 seem like you probably have a well thought out game plan the whole week and then all of a sudden you change it when you get into the game. I know your gut's one thing, but. At the same time, your whole team had this game plan going in. Troy for a couple series, Rovig comes in, you kind of turn into that less one-dimensional offense. So I was surprised to see that he said that and that he didn't make that change to Rovig way earlier because it was pretty obvious that they were going to be teeing off on Anderson all game. Yeah, and to say that they've done well with Troy, uh, it was against Portland State. So, you know, you, you got to figure it's going to be a bit of a different game against Eastern Washington. And then going forward... You need more of that traditional passing offense. You need you need to put your talented the players that are you know put them where their strengths are. And Troy is a great linebacker. He can run the ball. You know, put him in, start him on defense, and and bring him in big situations to run the ball. Maybe play Wildcat at QB here and there sporadically, but. To start him at QB, I, I just don't like that call. No, and I think I, – I honestly cannot imagine that, that they, they're on a bye this week, obviously, but going into that homecoming game against Idaho that we don't see Rovig start that game. I think that there's just too much – this is going to sound like a, such a cliche thing to say about football, but there's like too much tape out there on Anderson and how – if you're a semi-talented team, which I don't think Portland State really is, and I don't believe Wagner was either. Well, he didn't play against Wagner, yeah. but – Portland State's not a talent that great of a team, so they were able to do these things even though Portland State knew the game plan going in. But I don't think Idaho's that kind of team where you can go in with such an obvious game plan and come out with a, a win like they did against Portland State. And so Troy did have uh, – he had 156-yard passing, so it was a weird game that he had more yards passing than rushing. So he had 94 yards rushing. He averaged 4.1 uh, per carry, but none of them ever seemed to really get going. And then there was the obvious penalties and just self-inflicted wounds that the Cats did to themselves. He scored an awesome touchdown on a running back throwback to him where he broke about four tackles, juked every single Eastern Washington player out of their minds, and then it got called back for a chop block that was nowhere even near the play. And I didn't see that on replay. Did you see that on replay? I did not. Wow, just a real Cats fan over there. Yeah, I don't know. It was, it just was, it was frustrating on on some of those penalties, and then they recover an onside kick, and there's a dude that lined up or was offsides on the kick, and he didn't even have any bearing on the play either. So he had a chance to get the ball back and maybe make it a little more interesting. I do think the 34-17 score is a little misleading. You know, Montana State had a lot of chances. Eastern didn't. Eastern played a game where it, if Montana State would have played a great game or what they're capable of, I think they could have beat Eastern on this day. I'm not saying that they could do it every weekend, but I think on this weekend, it was a time where Eastern was actually ripe for uh, an upset and Montana State just wasn't up for it. But so I look at that kind of as a, as a waste of a game uh, for the Cats when, when they really did catch Eastern on the day, they weren't at their, their best and could have actually 
had a really big statement win. Not that I think the Cats are better than Eastern, but Eastern just played down where I think the Cats, if they would have put together a solid game plan, could have won that game. Um, but enough about the Cats and enough about their game plan. You know, the Grizz went down to Cal Poly, who have had their number for a while there. And they went down there and just basically ran a pass all over, all, all over uh, Cal Poly down there in San Luis Obispo. Yeah, it really wasn't all that close. Well, the score looks like a blowout, and it was. Early in the game, Montana was up 7 nothing, and I, of course, picked Cal Poly to cover the spread. didn't really think they had a chance to win, but I think it was like 14 points. And considering their history, I thought, you know, why not grab the points? Did not put any money on it. But uh, <clears throat> Cal Poly was moving the ball. Fumbled it right into the Grizz defender's hands. They take it to the house, and the game was basically over from there. Yeah, when you go into when you go into halftime with a thirty-one to seven lead, you know that you've just completely demoralized the team. And it's not like Cal Poly is going to be like an Eastern Washington who can come back in the second half from a deficit and beat you like they did last year um, at, at Washington Grizz when Eastern did that. So I'm pretty sure all Grizz fans and even the Grizz were pretty comfortable with that thirty-one to seven lead going into halftime, and that that one was not going to get blown. Uh, so Dalton Sneeds continues just to impress people. He was uh, 285 yards passing this game, um, only 26 yards rushing. So he didn't do that that insane – he didn't put up the insane yardage that he had in weeks past, but he definitely didn't need to. Adam Eastwood, uh, the Grizz running back, had 132 yards. Uh, that's eight point – he had 16 carries and averaged 8.3 yards per carry. Um, that was kind of the first game that I noticed the Grizz running backs actually showing up. Um, I admittedly haven't watched every Grizz game this year. Because um, they're not my first priority, but I, I did notice that that seems like the first game with a Grizz running attack that wasn't led by Dalton Sneed really showed up and impressed. Yeah, first game where, like you said, a running back led the team in rushing. So that's uh, that's probably good for the Grizz moving forward because Sneed can't do everything. Yeah, definitely. Sneed can't do everything, but uh, he looks like, a, I mean, you always get a little bit. I mean, what are we, the Grizz are four and one, I was over five Grizz games into the season, and you always wonder what a drop down is going to look like uh, when they come down to the FCS. And I got to say, so far, he's been one of those drop downs that has really impressed uh, impressed me. I don't like saying it, but I'm like, how, do, how can we not find one of these drop downs to come to Montana State when we're in such dire need of a quarterback? It'd be nice. Oh, it'd be amazing. I would, I'd be, I mean, we did have Brugman, and that, that, that worked out well. It is, yeah. You want them to just put it all together so you can actually have a full game that you can cheer for. Um, and and I have a going back to the catch really quick. They, I mean, I thought for for the most part they held Gubrud in, in check, and that's nice to see. And you hope that that can continue to carry over. That if they game plan for someone, that they're going to make it happen. I was pretty, I was pretty impressed, I guess, by Gregorik's uh, Gregorak, whatever the hell, um, his game plan there against Gubrud. And he seemed to get, get to him a little bit in the sense that they weren't really rushing anybody, but they were uh, taking away, you know, some of his passes. There wasn't a ton of deep balls. Um, so you hope that going into, like, 
I'm already looking ahead to Cat Grizz that they'll be able to game plan for Snead and hopefully turn him into a one-dimensional quarterback, which will definitely help them out because I think they can handle Eastwood. But there's a lot of football to be played before Cat Grizz for sure, and we'll probably have a, a lot more clear idea coming up. But there's a lot of football left, that's for sure. And it'll be um, it'll be interesting. The Cats the Cats go into a bye week at three and two, one and one in conference. I guess probably showed out an article out. I think he talked to Greg Rockhotch, or maybe it was just an interview we said where, you know, they're a three and two football team. A lot of people thought that that's where they were going to be at. Uh, they're one and one in conference, and his his it seemed like his saying was like, yeah, we're here, and that's what we thought we were going to be, and. Um, I have to agree that after looking at their schedule, I thought that they'd be exactly at this point. But for some reason, I'm still a little bit just disappointed in a couple of the games um, that they played uh, so far this year. But going into the bye week, they have Idaho on a homecoming. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of progress they can make with a week without a game. If they get Rovig into, you know, I don't know if he's been playing, practicing with all the ones as quarterback. But it'll be really interesting to see if they can take two weeks to prep a game plan with Rovig behind center. Because I have to think that if I was a betting man, which you are, that Rovig's the quarterback when they come out against Idaho in two weeks. What do you think? And I'm going to get into that on our next segment, but they between the bye week and the home game versus Idaho, and again, we'll talk more about Idaho later, but those are two weeks where they got to figure something out because yeah. then they go on the road at Weber and at Idaho State, and, you know, those... Idaho's no pushover either, so to tr- they've got to figure something out in this bye week to gain some momentum off Idaho, and that's that's a tough two-game road stretch there with two teams that are looking real tough in the big sky, Weber State and Idaho State. You, you come out of those three, I think the Bobcats have to go 3-0, and 2-1 uh, at the very worst, and put themselves in position for a playoff spot. Yeah, I agree with you there. And so that this bye week is absolutely massive. Um, you know, maybe getting some guys that are banged up back in there, get that game plan centered around someone who can actually, you know, make the offense two-dimensional, have a running game and a passing game. So it'll be really interesting to see what they come out of this bye week like against Idaho. Uh, and we'll kind of be able to talk about that more on next week's podcast. But then uh, this week, the Grizz host Portland State. And I don't think there's really much we have to say about this game. No, it, we'll get in the lines later, but Grizz are favored by more than three touchdowns. Portland State isn't good. They've been in the cellar in the big sky for a few years now. Uh, they, they're terrible. And <laughs> for them to come in, Washington, it's not going to show us much. You know, it's for... It, it's an exhibition game. You, yeah. As much as you don't like the Grizz, you probably wish they had a little better game on the week have a buy, so we have something to, you know, look for, something to root against. 100%, even the, yeah. Even the biggest Grizz hater on earth, which you're probably in the top 10, doesn't hold any hope out that Portland State's going to win this game. No, see, that's, that's a good point, because I do wish, like, the Grizz were going up against them, you know, Weber, NAU, Eastern, um, Idaho State, any of those teams this week, so that there was that chance of the Grizz losing at Washington Grizzly, but you pair Washington Grizzly and the Grizz success at home against one of the shittiest teams in the big sky in a while um, who I have in my power rankings ranked under or lower than Northern Colorado, which is saying something you just, you know, going into it that you're not going to be watching a ton of Grizz or Bobcat football this weekend because you just don't want to watch shitty football. And 
Portland State, I was looking up their stats. So I think there's 120 teams in the FCS right around there. They're 111th in total defensive rank, 96th in passing yards allowed, 112th in rushing yards allowed, 111th in points per game. They're allowing 42.2 points a game. They're allowing 442 total yards of offense a game. No, and get this, so they've only allowed, this is maybe a bright spot, they've only allowed four field goals this whole season. What? They've well, allowed, that, but they've also that, allowed... That's t- what happens when you're giving up six <laughs> I was just gonna, I was just going to say that because they've allowed 26 touchdowns on the season. Good for 118th in the FCS. Wow. So this game is over before it even starts. It's not even going to be one of those ones where people are like, well, that's why they play the game, to see if something crazy can happen. It's not going to happen. The grooves are going to roll. I'm just going to have to get over it that I have literally nothing to really... I have no real skin in the game this week unless I put some money on the games. So, so it'll be a, it's going to be a, a bloodbath in Missoula and hopefully the cats are getting healthy and putting a game plan in, in Bozeman. So Bobcats with the bye, the Grizz are hosting Portland State. It's a great weekend and I won't say this often, but it's a great weekend for a fall wedding. Oh, this would be the weekend for a fall wedding. That's a very good point. So everybody out there who's thinking about getting married, don't do it on the weekend where, you know, both teams are playing someone you actually are interested in watching. Do it this weekend when the Grizz are playing a shit team and the Bobcats are on a bye. It's actually a great point, and that should be a segment, all the things you have to do to plan a fall wedding. But that's a segment for another time. We're going to get into our second and ten. We're going to see if Mantana Parlay can bring it a little bit better than his predecessor, Bear Tycoon, can. So I'm going to let you go first uh, since you are technically the guest tonight. All right. A lot to live up to. Uh, mm, not really. plan for the future and we have to stop thinking about you know just the week to week and just having Troy smash into everybody and just hope that you get a weak opponent like Portland State or Wagner that's 100% correct alright so my first and 10 my first is the Big Sky and their referees so I was watching that the Montana State Eastern game I was complaining about the refs the whole time don't get me wrong I don't blame the Cats loss on the referees but the refs were absolutely horrible the whole first half they missed holding uh, holding penalties for both sides. And in the second half, they called damn near everything they could see. I thought there was a shitty targeting call that they, they threw out um, Montana State's DB on. So it's not surprising. The Big Sky uh, announced that they suspended the referees, the eight-man crew from the Northern Arizona-Idaho State game. Uh, in the second half of that game, they went to a review to see if there was a targeting penalty. When they came back, they totally screwed up the downs. 
So uh, they said it was third or second down, but it actually should have been third down. And then uh, Idaho State went and didn't convert the, which was supposed to be third down. So it should have been fourth down, but the refs said it was only third down after they, they had an incomplete pass. And so they got an extra down, got the first down. The game ended up being a little closer than we thought it would be. So the Big Sky actually said that that was a very major error and suspended that eight-man crew. The Big Sky refs, in my opinion, I think a lot of people's opinions, they're horrible. Um, you know, it's it's FCS football. You're not going to get the best refs in the world. But at least we have. it's nice to see uh, some reckoning when they screw up a game that bad. Definitely. That's their second best shot. Yeah. Home for the Grizz. God, I hope they win, but I don't think they will. So, they've got one probably, one maybe, but nothing that looks and one hopefully. <laughs> promising. So, they could come out of the big sky with two, maybe three wins, but everything's looking great for Idaho because they finished the season at Florida. That's going to be a fun one. Fear to drop down and get your ass kicked in the lower level. <laughs> but it's kind of funny. Um, so I'll go with my second is UC Davis, my sweetheart team, rising in the polls when they're not even playing. So they started off last week at number 19. They did not even play a game. And my boys, my second favorite team, they moved up to 16. It's UC Davis's year. They're rising in the polls even when they're not playing. And that's all I got to say. I have to cheer for a team that's in the polls that isn't the Grizz. <laughs> All right. Well, on to number three. One. It was a quick one, yeah. I had to make up but for the last one. He's happy with us on that one. He's very so, happy. All right. My number three, my 
I know, it's really confusing. Yeah, wow. Okay, so we've talked about streaming games. How do we watch the games throughout the season? It's kind of a pain in the ass. Well, someone on the Slack line had a hot tip in the mid Slack, and it's the Watch ATT app, and it's available on, you know, Android, iPhone, and Amazon TV. So it includes the audience channel, and for those who went through the streaming that live out of state last year, know that that's the channel that plays Root Sports. So I was able to watch the Bobcat game, or at least most of it, until I gave up on them. And they have a seven-day free trial, and it's only $15 a month after that. And it actually has a few decent channels besides audience. So watch ATT app for those that do not live in Montana, do not have uh, access to Root Sports in the Northwest. It's a great option to watch those games that aren't on Pluto, uh, you know, gives you a chance to watch them. And by the way, that's going to be the channel Cat Grizz is on. Yes, so last year I think it was the DirecTV trial that we did to get some games. This year it's ATT, yeah. so that's, uh, that's, a good, that's a good tip because Pluto is absolutely worthless. Yeah, and DirecTV, that's still an option. Them and Dish Network have their own streaming networks, but it's like $50, $70 a month, and that's, that's a lot of dough just to watch one game. And it's not every game every week. It, you know, it's selective. I can't figure the schedule out. Yeah. So no, that's a good hot tip. So go out there, get that app, watch your games on a reputable source instead of that stupid-ass Pluto feed that they give us nowadays. All right. So I'm getting on to my number three. So South Dakota State and North Dakota State played in the game of the week last week. Uh, I only bring this up because I believe South Dakota State for South Dakota State is for real, and it makes me feel a little bit less uh, bad about our loss to the Jackrabbits earlier this year. Uh, so South Dakota State uh, went to North Dakota State, so went to Fargo and kept it close. Was actually leading 17 to 14 going into the fourth quarter. North Dakota State did score a late touchdown to beat the Jackrabbits 21 to 17. Um, but uh, I thought it was a great game. I was really cheering for South Dakota State. I thought I really think that they're going to be a national title contender. I think if you played, I think if these two teams are so evenly matched, and South Dakota State doesn't get the press that North Dakota State gets. South Dakota State, I think, is going to win um, a lot of games this year. I think they're going to get uh, very close to that championship game. I wouldn't be surprised if they go into that playoff bracket with a three or four seed and meet uh, North Dakota State either in the semis or the uh, or the championship. So um, really good game. The worst part, maybe the, the part that made me feel the worst, was I was looking up this game to try and read a little bit about it. And on Google, when you come up to all the different articles about it, South Dakota State, uh, one of their articles says, after light load in September, Jacks proved, proved themselves at a loss. And that made me feel a little bad because they're definitely talking about Montana State being in that light load. Well, the score kind of proved it, unfortunately. But yeah. yeah it, it hurts. It but the next, hurts. They're, they're, the game they played after Montana State, they beat Arkansas Pine Bluff 90-6. to So there was that, too. Covering that in that match, yeah. Nice. All right, what's your next one? Well, I, I'm going to kind of switch them here because just to go along with yours, and uh, you watched Montana State versus South Dakota State, I believe, on that you know uh, third grade uh, uh, art project of a of a feed that was out there yes. in South Dakota. Uh, you also were at the game 
where Montana State played Eastern. So my question is, how would Eastern match up with NDSU and SDSU? Do they have a shot? Does our elite Big Sky team have a shot against the elite Missouri Valley teams that are just looking dominant right now? I don't think so. I think I think South Dakota State's defense and how their offense can keep up with anybody. I think they beat Eastern, and I would just—I mean, North Dakota State is as good as they have been, as good as they ever were. I think both of these teams, South Dakota State and North Dakota State, would beat Eastern. And you're right—that's a little bit depressing for the Big Sky because that's our our quote unquote elite team right now. And I think both those teams would handle Eastern pretty easily. Sunday play for Wazoo or Washington, but like you said, they want to play right away. There's that chance to go to a playoffs and not some shitty like Belk Bowl. Um, so I think that's a good point there. That there's a there's a real talent gap right now. I think between those two conferences, and like like we said, I think both those teams would beat our best teams too. All right. So speaking of Eastern Washington, it's a good segue again. Is uh, Gage Gubrud is only 16 yards away from joining the 10,000 yard passing club uh, in his career with uh, with Eastern. So uh, two things: Montana State held him to 311 yards passing. That's well under his uh, his annual total right or his annual average right now. His yearly average. So great job, Montana State. And also, we... Small victories. victories and the fact that he didn't get 10,000 against us and he was only 16 away. So just think about all those passes that his receivers dropped. They could have done it against Montana State in Bozeman, but now they're going to have to do it uh, coming up here next weekend. So uh, great job, Montana State. We didn't want to see anybody celebrating on on our field with getting to 10,000 yards passing. So great job, Montana State. A moral victory and one that I'm very proud of. I know it's only it's. I know that you and I. It's friendly fire right now. I know that you're not going to call me on that kind of stuff, and he would definitely get mad about it. But he's not here. He'll listen to this and wish he could talk about it. But it was his choice not to be here tonight, so he's going to have to have to deal with that one in silence. All right. All right. What's your last one? So finally, and you've got your little uh, secondary crush on UC Davis. I so do. Developed a little bit of a crush of my own. Oh, do tell. Idaho, Idaho State. Oh, the Bengals. Now. 
actually watched quite a bit of the game they, when they went to North Dakota. We had a little bit of talk in our uh, Slack again about, oh boy, North Dakota, they're going to they're gonna crush them, bet the house, bet the condo, yada, yada. And I, I looked at the line and I said, you know, I almost went the other way because Idaho State, oh, now, now it escapes me, but they, I think it was California, Cal, they played a somewhat a close game against FBS school. I think they put up 20 on them. And I said, let's, let's wait a minute here. And sure enough, Idaho State ran all over North Dakota. And then the next week, this past week, they put up a huge number on um, Northern Arizona at home. Just beat them by two touchdowns. I think they scored 56 points. And they're looking good. They actually are getting some votes. and They're not ranked yet, but they're getting some votes. And they look like a solid team. And, you know, that that's, makes it tough for teams like Montana State because uh, before the beginning of the year, we were chalking those up as wins in the over-under podcast. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it sucks when you have one of those teams that you're like, all right, you're looking at the schedule, you're circling it, you're like, that's an annual win. And then all of a sudden, um, they end up being super strong. Uh, kind of like the Grizz have to play UC Davis this year, um, but they don't have to play Idaho State. So UC Davis is one the Grizz fans were probably circling that on the calendar. So it's really interesting when you get into the season and you see those surprise teams. Like it was probably Portland State like three or four years ago when they got a share of the title. Was that like where the hell did they come from? So. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. And Idaho State always seemed like the last like two years before Kramer got fired, they kind of had that little resurgence, and you wondered if Idaho State was back. And now they have Fennessey. Um, yeah, they're, they're, that, that's a good crush. That's a, congratulations on your first crush of the year. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So I'll close it up. And one thing that we do um, have to give credit to Bear Tycoon for is he runs a lot tighter ship. I'm pretty sure we spent over a minute on each one of these. But it's okay. It's all right. He's not here. So we can do whatever we want. Our parents aren't home. Um, so my fifth one is Dalton. It's kind of funny. You said is Idaho state for real. I literally wrote down as Dalton Sneed for real. Yeah. So well, I was looking through some of real quarterback. He is. A, so right there, we answered it as Cavs fans. Yes. He's very real. And we like him on our team, but, uh, I was looking at who he had played so far. I took out the Drake game because Drake's played some really shitty competition. So their stats are a little bit skewed and yeah, bear tycoon would give me shit for that. But if I look at Northern Iowa, Western Illinois, um, Sac State and Cal Poly, I hate to say it, but he might be for real. Northern Illinois and Western Illinois are ranked both in the top 35 in top defense in the FCS. Now, if I was going to be my usual self and take out stats, I would say the last two teams he's done it against Sac State and um, Cal Poly are ranked 66th, 66th. Well, that's a hard word to say. And 118, respectively, in total defense. So if I was going to just take those last two, I would do that. But I'm a little worried that this Dalton Sneed guy is for real, considering what he did against NIU in Western Illinois. led the team. He didn't lead a team to victory against Western Illinois. But, um, you know, four pretty solid games there. And really only one outlier in Cal Poly last week. And that wasn't even his best game. So uh, from this Bobcat fan, I'm a little worried that Snelton indeed is for real. No, he's going to have a huge game against them. Yeah, should have a huge game. You know, he really... Man, I'm jealous of Montana's schedule here. They, Their schedule is so easy. Play, they do have to play UC Davis, but they get them at home. Yeah. Uh, at Southern Utah, looked a lot 
the beginning of the year. Um, you know, their defense is still decent, but uh, I think it's they have the easiest. They have out. they have the Sac State schedule of last year. They have the easiest schedule ever. Yeah, definitely. So, all right, that's our that's our second and ten. We we got through it, you know, quick enough. So, yeah, took a took a little while on our second and ten, but we'll uh, get to our crowns now. So, again, we're gonna let the guests go first here. Montana Parlay, who was your team crown of the week? You're committed. One, yeah, committed. Fifty put up fifty-six points against Northern Arizona, which was uh, Bear Tycoon's crush at the beginning of the year, and they had three different players score two rushing touchdowns on Saturday, wow. and all of them rushed for over eighty yards. So that seems like a pretty good rushing attack to me. Yep, so and I. I and uh, it's happened a couple of times this year where Bear Tycoon and I had to agree, and I have to agree with you here. I would have to give it to Idaho State. I think they, as we were watching that Montana State game, we had a couple of people in the Slack and on text saying, dude, have you seen what Idaho State's doing to NAU right now? And you looked, you're like, holy shit, they were crushing them there for a while. I got a little bit closer at the end. So like you just said, I don't have to rehash all those rushing stats, but I'll give it to Idaho State as well for the team. And then um, for my back-to-back player, I'll, I'll say I have to go with Joe Prothrow from Cal Poly. I mean, he's getting, I know they got rolled, but it's just, it's funny when you look at Cal Poly rushing. I know they run that triple option attack, but pro throw went for 35 carries, 35 carries, averaged four per carry, scored three touchdowns. The best part was out of those 35 carries, his longest run was for 11 yards. The dude is just 100% grit. 100% 100% just barrels over people for just getting like those three yards at a time. I love Joe Prothrow. He is basically, you know, everybody's dream fullback. I'm going to miss him when he's gone because I swear to God he's been at Cal Poly for 20 years. He's like the, um, what was that dude from KU who was there for years know. and years, I'm Ellis? Thinking, I'm thinking of Tim Riggins from Friday Night Lights. He played until he was like 35. True. But, Tim Riggins did have a really good career in high school. That's Joe Prothrow in college. So uh, I give my crown in a little bit non-traditional fashion to Joe Prothrow for actually being able to carry the ball 35 times in a game. Yeah. And, and, and congrats on uh, picking a player who went up against the Grizz and lost to the Grizz by 20. But uh, he, had, he had three quarters of their points. Six yards, two touchdowns, 7.7 yards per rush. So that's pretty solid in a, in a week where no one threw up super numbers like Steve did last week. I, I got to go with my man from Idaho State. All right, man, you are all in on Idaho State. I, wonder, I, I hope they like you as much as you like them. I really do. It'll be awkward if they don't. It will be very awkward. Um, so, all right, that's our crowns for the week. And now... Our crown of the week every week, it's the Hotel Finley. 
located in the second largest historic district in the United States, that's right, Uptown, in Butte, Montana, the Hotel Finland offers affordable luxury options at the same price or cheaper than the boring hotel chains that you can stay with along the interstate. Nobody wants to stay along the interstate. You don't want to take an Uber anywhere. You want to stay at a locally owned and operated hotel that's right in the middle of everything that's happening in Butte, walking distance to all the great restaurants and bars that Butte has to offer. Do the right thing, experience everything that you can do in Uptown Butte and stay at the Hotel Finland at F-I-N-L-E-N.com, finland.com. Also, while you're there, you have to check out the Cavalier Lounge located in the Hotel Finland. Awesome music acts are regularly cycling through the Cavalier Lounge. You have to go in and listen and enjoy some of the great Montana beers the Cavalier has on tap. Along with all the beer they have on tap, you know what they have, is the Smooth Operator, a contraption that infuses your beer with fresh fruit ingredients and chills it to the perfect temperature. We know the Bear Tycoon likes to put a bunch of fruit in his beer. The Smooth Operator is the favorite thing that they have at the Cavalier Lounge for Bear Tycoon. I love it too. Most beers have good beer, but the Cavalier Lounge is the only bar in the country that has the Smooth Operator. So the Montana Mint and the Mint Sports Podcast, we only partner with cool Montana brands. Companies like the Hotel Finland are fighting to keep our great state great and are helping us keep the lights out at the Mint. We all love Montana. We all love Montana brands. We all love historic Uptown Butte. Homecoming is happening for tech soon, so you have to book your room at the Hotel Finland. F-I-N-L-E-N.com. Finland.com. Go there. Book it. Love it. You will not regret it. So now, after that, we have a special guest appearance from Luke from the Grizz Fans Podcast, so let's kick it to that. All right, so we're gonna take a little bit of a break from Montana Parlay, and we're gonna welcome in my arch nemesis, Luke, from the JV Grizz Fan Podcast. How's it going, Luke? Ooh, JV, we're gonna turn it up here. Oh, you're gonna turn it up now. So that obviously shows that you haven't listened to any of our podcasts this year, because every single time, Barry Tycoon has called it the JV Podcast. So it hurts a little bit that you haven't listened, but at least now you guys are on notice. That's a good question. Um, the metrics are very hard to understand if we are just sitting here talking into like basically a vacuum or if there's like maybe a couple dozen people besides my parents who listen to this. Well, I'm hoping to generate a little hate mail. Uh, this will be the true test. This will be the true test to see uh, yeah, if, how we can do it. So first off, we wanted to talk, we don't do a lot of the Grizz talk on here because we leave that to you guys, the experts on the Grizz. Um, I usually try and talk as much shit as I can during our podcast where sometimes, you know, I gave Dalton Sneed my crown of the week one time, so I'm not as bad as you think. Okay, yeah, we still uh, probably end up in a lot of love on our side. So we both have our little side crushes there, but first off, I want to ask you, how does it feel, like how confident are you when you go into this season and see that the Grizz have the easiest conference schedule in the big sky, and does that do anything to diminish these wins that they're getting? Well, I was mostly talking about your, your conference schedule so far and then the upcoming one because, you know, the, I mean, those early games, yeah, but we're looking at, like, the stupid unbalanced schedule where not every team plays everybody, and then you look and you guys have, like, the Sac State schedule from last year. We, we played a tough Missouri Valley conference team, a ranked team, and when going into the season... Well, that was a preseason ranking, and you know how I feel about those. Are they still ranked? 
I think so. We're not gonna do any research on that. We'll just go with that. So I think the Grizz, when you look at their schedule at the beginning of the year, they have, they've got some tough teams. We didn't know that Southern Utah was gonna shit the bed. We didn't know that Idaho was gonna kind of be disappointing, dropping down from the FBS. UC Davis is good, Sac State is good, and the Cats are always kind of a bad, right? So I think it's not as easy as you're going to paint it as. But you you get literally every one of those tough games at home. Well, sure, but we don't we don't pick the, the schedule. This is well, I know that the Grizz didn't pick the schedule, but I just wanted to know how you felt as a Grizz fan having the easiest schedule in the Big Sky. Hey, I'll take it. I mean, I know I am jealous actually. You just got to beat the teams in front of you, and so far the Grizz have been pretty damn good. Yeah, I agree. I just that's my that's like how I sleep at night though, is knowing that it's been an easy schedule and that's what I tell myself. So let's talk about the Bozeman schedule. They basically got two hard games. Well yeah, they got I mean, we don't know what Idaho is yet, I guess. I, I think we beat Idaho, but yeah, Weber is gonna be tough and then Idaho State out of nowhere is looking like an elite team, like someone that's throwing up Eastern Washington numbers and we get a we get Idaho Weber State, Idaho State back to back to back and like this sucks. I'm not happy about it. Don't forget uh, November 17th against the Grizz. Well, we, with Choda at head coach, I don't believe that there's really a chance we lose that game. Uh, he hasn't yet, and there's been no indication that this team has gotten worse than the last two years. What, talk to me a little bit about how you feel with the quarterback position. Were you guys better last year with Murray with this two-headed thing you have yeah. going on? That's a good question. See, you ask the tough questions that Bear Tycoon doesn't ask. He just kind of goes along with it. That's a damn good question. I don't know. I would have to say that I think I would rather. Yeah, I think I think we were better last year with Murray at quarterback. I think our offense ran better. I think um, that if we had him this year at quarterback and Troy at running back or linebacker, uh, Isaiah Fonse has been a really good running back for the Cats when he gets some running room. So I think you know we could tech, we could hypothetically put. Murray at quarterback, Troy at linebacker, and Isaiah Fonse at running back. And I, ha- I think we would be an improved team than what we are right now. Is it going to be difficult to recruit receivers to MSU? To recruit what? Wide receivers. I think it has to be. I think you see like Kevin Cassis is a ridiculously talented wide receiver. And they have to find weird ways to get him the ball. And when they do get him the ball, he makes plays. That dude is a playmaker. He catches everything thrown at him. But I've thought about this a lot. I was like, how boring would that be to be a Montana State wide receiver recruited there in the last three years? Oh, I can't even imagine. I know. I keep. I thought about that too because we're wasting Kevin Cassis' talent. Like, the dude really didn't get recruited highly out of high school. And I think he's a player that he would fit in so well in the Grizz scheme. So if I could trade Kevin Cassis for any Grizz player, yep. Dalton Sneed. Okay. I think I'd have to give you Kevin Cassis and like cash considerations or a player to be named later to get Sneed though. Yeah, we need at least one scholarship. <laughs> we'll give you like a like a sixteenth of the engineering school. <laughs> well, we we would use that in a big way. We we'll, we'll give you a tenth of our no. We'll give you like a. A twentieth of our new freshman enrollment, and that that should help quite a bit. Um, so let's pretend for a minute that 
Who does? Gresh Jensen. Oh, yeah, my boy. Are you excited about that, or are you still thinking, like, well, we don't have any receivers to throw to? No, I would be insanely excited. Like, you could literally tell me any quarterback with a track record in the FCS is coming in, and I'm going to be jacked. Unless Tucker Rovig shows us something. I think I we talked about this earlier on the pod, but I think Rovig is going to be starting against Idaho coming off the bye week. And I think that um, it's going to be make or break for his basically for being the quarterback of Montana State in these coming years. So it really kind of remains to be seen when they hand the reins over to Rovig and really give him a chance. He's going to get two weeks to practice with the ones if they're going to do what I think they're going to do. And so I think that kind of remains to be seen if we do have a guy like Rovig. But even then, to bring a guy in like Jensen, that would be kind of my dream. I really hope for, I guess, Coach Choate's yeah, I think I mean I think it'd be fun. He he showed it. I mean, that's the shittiest part is that the team so he didn't show it against South Dakota State, but there's not gonna be many quarterbacks that are gonna show out against them. And then he got Wagner, who I think anybody could show out against them, so I still don't think we know the real Tucker Rovig. Who's who are the stars on the defense at FSU? Our corners, I mean, I can't keep them I honestly cannot keep them all straight, but I think the corners our strength, the linebackers, the weakness. Um, the corners, I mean, last week they played, I know I got some shit in the Slack uh, feed for saying that we held uh, Gubrud for under 50% passing and that was 100% a made-up stat. And it was close, it was like 61%. But uh, you guys called me on it. But I, I think being at that game and watching how they played Gubrud, I think the DBs were definitely the strength where, you know, Gubrud didn't really burn them at any point. They, you know, they were going to get their yards like any Eastern team will, but there was no real pressure on Gubrud and they kind of just relied on the, uh, you know, the coverage team to, to make some plays. And I thought for the most part, they did a pretty good job. So I think the DBs is a strong point and the linebackers are super weak, which me, which is why I want Troy there. Like I really do. He was in for a few of those plays, which was unbelievable to see when you see Troy Anderson coming in to basically have a goal line stop against Eastern at linebacker. Did you see that? That kid is an absolute stud. And I've never, probably never liked an MSU player more than I like Troy Anderson. Yeah. And, and, and Montana Parlay and I talked about that too. Is like, it's really cool to have that feel-good story and a player like that. But it really does suck that he's so good. Well, that he's so much better than any other quarterback possibility that they have. That they're taking, a like you have said before, a NFL linebacker and having to put him at quarterback. And so... Uh, which brings me to a question for you is you've said it before, but explain that a little bit that you think that Choate is doing a disservice to Troy Anderson by making him play quarterback or running back when you think he's talented, more talented on the defensive side. Uh, absolutely. So Choate's job is to win football games. It's not necessarily to uh, set an individual up for a career in the NFL. Um, I really think Troy Anderson's best position is probably linebacker. Yeah. He, uh, the sideline to sideline player. He's tough as nails. He's got a motor. He's a stupid winner. And, and he's so good at the game of football that he can go play running back. He can go play quarterback and serviceable. I think how freaking difficult that is to step in to the quarterback position at the FCS level and win games, like, what the hell? Like, we yeah. scholarships 
trying to get people here to spend their lives in that skill, and they fail. And Anderson from Dillon, Montana, could just be like, "All right, what's up now? What's going on this week?" Yeah, it is absolutely unbelievable, and uh, I think you're right. I think the way that even in those th- maybe three or four plays that he played on linebacker, one of them was a one-armed tackle of Gabrud trying to break. You know, he got out of the pocket and was gonna pro- he was gonna run for the touchdown if Anderson doesn't stick out his arm, and he one-armed tackles him while also shedding a block um, from a D lineman. It was so impressive. I was so just like, God, I wish he was on defense, and we had a, a quarterback that, you know. <laughs> we had a quarterback crew or just any kind of depth at quarterback that allowed him to, to be on the defensive side of the ball. It was kind of like a, a, a look into what could have been if Murray would have stayed healthy. Coach Gregorak is, can't be happy about this. You'd have to think that he's pissed because that, that's his – linebacker is his specialty. trying to look back I'm trying to think back to some of those previous games um, you know opening drives have been really bad I think I and I don't quote me on this but I think every single game the team has scored on the opening drive like I believe Western scored I believe I know South Dakota State did Wagner ran the opening kickback Portland State was up early on the Cats and then Eastern scored on their first possession in like five plays and so that's what when you when you talk about the quarters, like the immediately first thing is like I think that Montana State has been down in damn near every game this season against some shitty competition too. And it's almost like do they come out not ready to play in that first half? And then like you said, they make those adjustments in the second half, but it's almost like it's that first quarter, there's not that that uh I don't know, that sense of urgency or that they're not up for the game, which I could be way off, but just thinking back, I, I think that the cats have been down in every single game this year. conference and a loss to the Grizz is one that's going to get a lot of people talking and I know that it sounds so much like little brother and like all you need to do is beat the Grizz but it's it's somewhat true that I think if the Cats finish under 500 in, in the conference this year but they beat the Grizz there's going to be people talking that we have to show up in the rest of the conference season but I don't think he's going to be on the hot seat because of another Grizz win to be honest with you um 
I'm not ready to give up on them yet. I can't really tell why it's different for like Cats fans versus Stitt and Grizz fans. I mean, I obviously know that there's a little bit more of a recent program success in Missoula that where you just don't, no Grizz fan thinks that there should ever be a down year there with, you know, with their, their legacy basically as a program. So it's, it's kind of interesting, but I would say that no matter what Stitt does this year, he's not going to get fired. But I think people are going to be talking if we have another under 500 year in the big sky and we don't beat the Grizz. I'm surprised that I haven't heard more noise from Bobcat fans about um, MSU beat Western Illinois, but the Grizz lost. Well, you know, I, I said right after, after the Grizz lost, I said it on that podcast and I absolutely loved it. Um, but I still, I honestly still don't have my bearings on the Grizz yet because I don't, I mean, that Western Illinois lost, they kept it close. And then I, I mean, Cal Poly wasn't a super big test. And I didn't think that, uh, I, I still not a Sac State believer, even though Hawk said that he, he said they were a tough team. I have no barometer on the Grizz, so I don't want to talk too much shit yet in case they are actually as good as, as Grizz fans think they are. Um, so I'm kind of hedging, hedging there and not getting too far out in front of that take yet. But I will reserve that. I will reserve that one for later on in the year if I feel the need uh, to to bring that up. Do you think the Big Sky Conference feels there on notice with Bob the outback and the Grizz? So far, having pretty strong. Teams. No, see, that's where I I I think like some of some of these surprise teams like you know UC Davis and Idaho State. I think and we and people said it before is I think a lot of the big sky have caught up to the top tier teams where you can have a team come in and get hot during the year and be a really good big sky conference team like you know Idaho State UC Davis um, North Dakota a couple of years ago Portland State a few years back but I think that so many teams have just caught up I don't know if it's talent wise or recruiting or they're just hot right now I don't I don't think the big sky is scared of Bobby I don't know I don't I'm not scared of him would you be scared if you were the rest of the big sky I think Conscientious about. Uh, I think Bobby was a really good coach and he left here and he only went on to get more years and more experiences. He really diversified what what he was exposed to. He's not a very veteran coach staff in him. And I, I think that maybe explains a little bit of the greatest success early. Uh, they're damn good teachers. So it's not a coincidence that so many Montana athletes turned into NFL football players under Bobby Houck. To be an NFL football player, you not have to be great athlete, you have to have a good football skill set. And I think that's what Bobby is really strong at, is teaching the skills of football. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can see that. That makes sense. Yeah, so I think that's why maybe the Grizz are having some successes, because... He's taking really good athletes and finally teaching them maybe the little bit of skill going to put them over the edge in close contests. And I think I, I'm not I, – I guess maybe if you were to ask me the question, are you scared about recruiting now that Bobby Houck's back, that might be a thing I would have said yes for. I think that Montana uh, still has that allure. And, you know, a lot of these these high school kids that are, that are getting recruited by Montana, Montana State, remember – the Bobby Houck era, the first time they have heard about it, they saw it, they know what what he brought to the table. 
So that's probably, if you ask me what I'm most worried about, it's not maybe the Grizz getting better in their success in the big sky. It's maybe taking some of those recruits that Montana State could have got the last couple of years with a guy like Stitt coaching. And now those guys are seeing Bobby Houck there. And that could maybe be the one thing that, that steers them to Missoula instead of coming over to Bozeman. Because that, that's in the back of my head every time I see a – and I, I honestly don't know. I don't pay enough attention to recruiting to see if there was a guy that was targeted really high by both the Cats and the Grizz and who they went to or, you know, who's winning that in-state battle of the highly the, – the coveted recruits. But it's always in the back of my mind. I'm like that was the one thing when the Grizz hired him that I was a little bit worried about was just that mystique that he has and that maybe some of these high school players would want to go up and play for a guy like that. I mean, I, I, I said this to Barry Tycoon last week and he got pissed at me, but I honestly think that, that the offense is a little bit – I, I think with, besides Sneed and, and uh, Jerry, Louis, Jerry Louis McGee, there's not a lot to be super afraid of on that Grizz offense. And I know you'll, you'll tell me I'm wrong, but I think if you stop Sneed and make him just throw the ball – I think the Cats have a, a, a lot better chance to beat the Grizz if they let uh, the Grizz running backs try and take that part of the game over. I think the Cats can stop those running backs, um, Eastwood. But if Sneed gets out there and does what he did against you know Sac State, uh, I think the Cats are going to have a hard time. But I, if you take Sneed's rushing away, I think that's what could win the game for the Cats. Am I right at all there, or how wrong am I, if in your opinion? Yeah, you can't let Sneed just run willy-nilly. Uh, you're going to have to spy that I met in Ames for the rest of the year. We'll be spying him. When he throws, though, he's completing just a shade under 65%. Um, he's thrown 255 yard game. He's got nine touchdowns. And remember, we haven't played like a, like a Division three team. Um, we don't have the hardest schedule yet, but we haven't played any passing like complete packing. But stat super inflated. One of the things that helps need out is we have a lot more weapons than Jerry Louis McGee. Um, he might be the third receiver on our team. We've got Keenan Kerman, we've got Mari Torre, we've got Samuel Kemp. Now we've just seen Gabe Solcer, who's a okay. I forgot that was that uh, run he had against Sac State. I that was impressive. Yeah, that kid's lightning fast. Dude, that was insane. Like you watch him running down that sideline, and you're just like, holy shit. Oh, he's got like if this was Madden, he would have 99 speed, 99 acceleration. I was a little bit. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I saw that. I was like, oh no. And he's a freshman, right? Yeah, true freshman. That sucks because that was that was lightning. He was on that Billings uh, Little League World Series team that made yeah, Big Sky Little League. Yeah. Um, the one thing I, the one thing like I look back at the Grizz loss against Western Illinois, and and that's when Sneed he only had forty two yards on the ground and, and ran for it fifteen times, so less than three a carry, and then only two hundred uh, and twenty nine yards through the air and through two picks. And that would you say? Would you agree with me that Western Illinois is the toughest team you played this year? I mean, I know that it was a loss, so it's obviously. The only loss, but you would say that's probably the best defense you've faced this year, right? Probably the best defense we've faced. I think State is, was the most complete team. Yeah, I mean, their offense was way better than Western Illinois, for sure. Cal Poly is a unique 
team, and they have their own unique challenges. But they, their defense was terrible. So would um, you? Would you? Would you be? I would say that Montana State would be the tie. I mean, Montana State would be comparable to Western Illinois defense right now, and it would probably be the best defense that Snead had faced so far this season. Western Illinois kept him in check, and that's what got you know got them that game. So that would not make you nervous at all if the Cats game plan for him the same way Western Illinois did? Well, I mean, maybe I shouldn't quibble about this. What lost the Western Illinois game for us was a special teams there. Really, we gave up a punt return. Yeah. We had two dumb fumbles. Uh, I think that's what really lost us the game. But to your point, I think MSU has a legitimate defense. And what it's going to make that defense even stronger against the Grizz is the defense can practice uh, attacking a running quarterback in practice by trying to stop Troy Anderson. Yeah. It's not going to be unique for them to try to contain a quarterback. Yeah. And the cat, the cats saw their, their toughest QB test of the season and Gubru. They're not going to see anybody tougher than him. I mean, I'm a little bit worried about Snead. The dude's, the dude's good. I think, I think the cats, if they were set up to stop something, though, it'd be that 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 quarterback play. So it's gonna be. I'm, I can't wait for Cat Grizz already. And like, you know, Montana Parlay and I said, there's so much football left to be played. Well, it'll be interesting to see how our opinions change before that November 17th game. But um, what would your what would your prediction be? Right, if they were playing this weekend, if the Grizz were not at uh, not hosting Portland State and the cast them a buy, and it was this weekend, how would you see that play out? Yeah, I mean, right now, I, I would agree with you with the Cats quarterback situation now. I, because Cat is a man who's always rock, I think it's not, it's a Grizz by 30 points, maybe. Um, I would really look at the record would be on Grizz, actually. We have a young offensive line, um, so Grizz is going to have to contain me, maybe confuse our young offensive line with various blitzes, um, twists. I imagine he'll deploy all of that. And if the Grizz can pick it up and then make adjustments, um, I think aim it probably good for them. But if it gets into a, a game of low scoring, knock them out, make them out, God, that's a point toss. Yeah, I know. I think, I think so, since I have to stay true to my question, I think, I, I think you're right. The Grizz would be favored um, going into this game, three and a half, four points would probably be where I'd put it. And if we had to go into it, I think the Grizz would win if we were playing next weekend and we didn't have time to get Rovig into the rotation and get him comfortable. I don't think that Troy beats the Grizz. He, you know, he beat Portland State, yeah, but he, Portland State is not the Grizz. So I think if we played it this week, the Cats would lose that game. I think the Grizz would be able to stop Montana State's offense. Um, and that's why I'm so adamant. I hope that they put Rovig in and start giving him some, giving him some reps, so that when it comes back to that November 17th game, we have a we have a quarterback and we have Troy playing, where he's probably either a running back or a linebacker, but he's more talented at both those positions than quarterback anyway. All right. Well, I think there's not much more we can go to after we talk about Cat Grizz, is there? No, I don't think 
so. All right. Well, that'll be a great stopping point. So, hey, we appreciate it, Luke, for you coming on. Um, yes, go check out the Grizz Fan Podcast. They got three very knowledgeable guys on there who probably talk better football than any of us do over here um, on our on our uh, Montana Mint Sports Podcast. But we like to keep it light. They, they do a great job over there, though, too. So we appreciate it, Luke. And, uh, yeah, can't wait to see you guys absolutely shit can the uh, Portland State Vikings this weekend. So we want to thank Luke from coming over from the Grizz Fan Podcast and talking a little Grizz football with me. It's always fun to, to give him shit. So uh, thank you to him. And now we have, you know, with Montana Parlay in the studio today, we're getting a really special treat where we're going to go over not only his gambling picks, but we're going to do it around the big sky, all of his gambling picks live, on air. It's going to be a pleasure. It's a privilege. I'm going to let him take over here. Where do you want to start? What are we going to look at for around the big sky, and what's the line? All right. Well, let's start off, but it's no secret that I'm on the hot seat. I'm having a slow year. You remember that happened last year, too. I, I kind of came out slow out of the gate. That is, the conference season is kind of where I take off. I get to watch the games. They're on Pluto as long as... Sometimes you just don't get to watch them, even though they're on, because the cameras are on different parts of the field. But that's uh, you know enough griping there. So hopefully we'll pick up some steam here, and I can improve my record. Now, one thing to keep in mind: you don't have to bet on every game, <laughs> and you definitely need to bet on confidence. And like last week, we righted some ships. We paid off some mortgages when we found Montana State as a one-point favorite against Eastern Washington. That's very true. But, you know, you could you could have bet the farm, the ranch, and next year's crop on Eastern Washington, and that makes up for a really bad record overall. True. So, you have to look at uh, units. Units. Yes, units. It's all about the units. Now, this week in the big sky, I'm... I don't know, I might just bet some partial units because I'm not overly confident in anything. Nate, you can tell me if you think I'm wrong here. So let's start with your crush, UC Davis. They're 15 and a half point favorites at Northern Colorado. Now that, I, I, that seems like a game coming off a bye. UC Davis should roll, but anytime it's more than two touchdowns on the road, I'm a little wary. So I'd put a half unit on UC Davis at minus 15 and a half against Northern Colorado. And I don't know if this is just my heart talking. They are my crush. I'm taking UC Davis. with. I'm taking them as they lay those points. I think the only hesitation I have in my mind that I go against that is like it never seems like anybody really does well at Northern Colorado. I don't know if like they grow their field long or if it's just such a shitty place that nobody really cares to go play elevation. there. The elevation. But, you know, at first glance, I'm taking UC Davis laying the points there. All right. So, moving on. Southern Utah, like we said earlier, they've had a rough schedule, and it only gets tougher because they're going to Eastern Washington, where they are 20-point underdogs. Again, a big spread. I, I can't bet against Eastern Washington. I don't like laying 20 points on a against a team that has been in the playoffs the last few years, has had a good defense the last few years, and if uh, I believe is coming off a bye. So Southern Utah, they 
haven't won a game yet. Eastern Washington has destroyed teams, but it's hard for me to lay those 20 points. I think that's a stay away from me. If someone put a gun to my head, I guess I'd pick Eastern Washington. Yep, I'm with you there. I would pick Eastern Washington, but three touchdowns, laying three touchdowns. With their, when there's garbage time, when there's all those different variables that can happen, I'm not taking it. But you know, like I said, like you said, uh, if I had to bet it, someone was making me bet it, I would take Eastern Washington. But I wouldn't spend the money on it. I'm not that confident. All right. So Weber State at Northern Arizona. Weber is a seven and a half point road favorite. Now, what Cookus? Any Cookus news? He's gone. He's literally gone. Nobody knows where he's at. He's disappeared. He moved? Like, he may have been, like, in the witness protection program now. We don't know where Case Cookus is. There's literally no news on Case Cookus. All right. Uh, Podcast listeners, you know, troll troll some Instagram. You know, drive down to Flagstaff. Get us some some news on Case Cookus. Still, I watch Southern Utah at Northern Arizona. Uh, NAU plays well at home in their dome. Weber State has a hell of a defense, but they don't have a great offense. So I would not lay seven and a half in a dome uh, on the road, even though they're a, a ranked team and one of the best in the big sky. So that's a stay away for me. And, and I'd actually, if I had to, I, I'd take the points in that matchup. So you would take Northern Arizona with the points if you had to bet it? If I had. Yeah, so the Northern Arizona quarterback game, I, I never know what's happening. They have the drop down from Washington, who one game will put up some numbers, the next game won't do anything. He put up some numbers last week against Idaho State, but it obviously wasn't enough to uh, to win. They were they lost by 14 um, on the road there. Man, if I – you kind of talked me out of it when you talked about in the Dome and all that, but if I was – at first glance on this one, this was one of the games that I would take Weber State, lay the points, because I think that they will rock Northern Arizona if Cookus isn't back. This is one I would hold on to see if I get any insider information like on Friday going into Saturday. If Cookus is coming back, I don't do that. But right now, with Northern Arizona's situation, I, I would take Weber with the, uh, laying the points. Maybe you should tease Weber with uh, your crush, UC Davis. Bring that I might down. tease a little bit. Just do a little teaser. A little teaser. Got to get creative a little bit. Yes. All right. Moving on to the next one. Oh, poor little Idaho. You know they uh, they've talked down about Idaho State. They're not a rival. They'll never beat us. They go on the road to Pocatello, where they are currently the team from the FBS last year are ten and a half point underdogs against their in-state quasi-rival Idaho State. Ten and a half. And that opened at eight and a half, which is still no small spread. So money's coming in on Idaho State against Idaho already. What are you taking? I, <laughs> I'm staying away from that one. A bit much. Um, but you know what? Idaho only scored 20 against Portland State. True. Coming back to that, uh, I don't like betting this game, but if I had to, I'd take Idaho State. See, I think if I had to, shit, that's a good point. Idaho, look, it's just hard to get the FBS part out of your head. Like, they didn't lose a ton of players from that team. Like, this is these are people that were, these are guys that were recruited to play FBS football. 
Shit. I'm yeah. staying away from it, but I like I think I think we have to go with gun to the head. I'm taking Idaho State, laying the points there. I'm laying a lot of points this week. Yeah, that's 14 points is a lot. I still – I haven't been a huge Sac State believer. I still think their schedule last year was what got them that ranking and that conference record that they had last year. Um, I have a buddy who played – I've said it before, I'll name drop kind of. I had a buddy who played for Sac State, follows the Hornets quite a bit, and he wanted to hammer this game when we were talking today. Hammer it. Taking, Sa- taking Sac State and laying the points. Okay. And I just don't – I don't think he cared, which is never a good sign, but he does like to gamble, so he doesn't really, he tells me all about his wins, but, um... Yeah, that's what, that's what almost gamblers do. <laughs> so, I would, I'm going to stay away from it, and if I had to, I'm going to actually finally take the points, and I would take Cal Poly in that game if he had a gun to my head. I'm taking. I'm. At, I would bet this game. I would put money. I would take. I would lay the points with the Grizz. I think they're going to absolutely annihilate Portland State. So I'm 100% with you on almost every one of these games. I think the one that we differed on was I would be confident in laying the points with Davis at Northern Colorado, where you said that you may stay away from that one. So I think. I think we agreed on most of these. There are a lot of. There's not really any close games out there this weekend. It's not a super stacked schedule besides Weber State, Northern Arizona. Um, so. If you're going to go on your official record, which games are you officially betting to, for us to put on your record and, and to try and redeem yourself this week? All right. Well, officially, I am only going to bet Montana 25 points. So that's all I'm going with. You know, unless I'm going to throw in a teaser on Twitter later, it won't really count on my record. But uh, <laughs> my tw- if, you, if you paid attention the last couple of years, You'll notice that whatever I throw it on Twitter, they're winners. I honestly, I, I think I'm undefeated on Twitter. You know, that might just be... You know, no one's going to, literally no one's going to fact check you on that, so you can literally it, say whatever you want. Check it out. Look <laughs> them up. Look at every one of my tweets. All right. So, yeah, and like you said, there's no close games this, 
this week. Weber State on the road, seven and a half points. So, you know, basically what it looks like is there's no, on a neutral field, there's no teams playing each other that are within 12 points of each other. 10, 11, 12 points of each other. So just not a very good weekend. Like we said, we need to make this fall wedding weekend. This is a, yep, this is officially the 2018 FCS football season, Big Sky football season, wedding weekend of the year. We've named it now. We'll put that up on Twitter. Congratulations, October 6th. Saturday, October 6th, you are officially fall wedding season. We should have gotten this out in advance. People are going to be scrambling for venues this weekend. We did not give them enough advance notice. It's such a bad weekend. If, if you or your friends are, if you're a bachelor in the bachelor party for a wedding that's on the 13th or the 20th or the 27th or sometime in November, you got to reschedule. You just got to do it. You if have to reschedule. Fan, if you're a true football fan, you got to reschedule that wedding this Saturday. Yep, and I think this is the birth of a new segment that we're going to have to do with our first pod next year, is to tell you when to have your wedding next year and do our initial wedding weekend of the fall podcast. Yeah, that'll really play to our our fans that are getting married because everyone plans their wedding uh, six weeks before beforehand, so that'll yes. be plenty of time. Plenty of time. So you're welcome, and we can't wait to give that value add to our podcast listeners next year. So go make your money, bet those picks we just came up with, plan your wedding for this weekend, do all of that kind of stuff. I've been excited for this the whole podcast. That's why I can hardly speak. It's time for our official Calgary Stampeders, or Stamps as the true fans call them, the newest segment of our podcast where we do everything Calgary Stamps. Are you ready, Montana Parlay? Yeah, I bet. So last week, uh, our Stamps went up against the Toronto Argonauts, the team that they beat twice last year in the regular season and fell to them in the Grey Cup. My least favorite team because of that in the Canadian Football League. Calgary got out of there. Well, it was actually in Calgary. So they they hosted them and, and got out of there with a 38-16 win over the Argonauts. It wasn't even close. Calgary's going back to the playoffs. We popped some champagne in Bozeman on Friday night because of this game. We are so excited for them to be back in the playoffs. They're the number one team in the CFL right now. How excited are you, Montana Parlay? I'm elated. And there's no better way to put it than elated. Uh, our boy Alex Singleton, friend of the podcast, uh, our favorite player, nine tackles to lead the way. He's a beast. He's a leading tackler in the Canadian Football League right now. Alex Singleton, he's the man. And guess who we have coming up this weekend? Who do we got? The Montreal Alouettes, led by none other than Johnny Football. Wait, Johnny Manziel? Yeah, it's Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel is the starting quarterback for the Montreal Alouettes. Do they not do drug testing in the Canadian Football League? That's a good question. I will ask Alex that. So, yeah, so Calgary's traveling to Montreal, who, and, and they'll speak a lot of French there in Montreal. It's Quebec, official language. Um, travel there and try to knock out one of the worst teams in the Canadian Football League. I talked to Alex Singleton on, um, when he was on our podcast. I asked him, is there any extra motivation going against Johnny Menzel? He did the whole sports guy thing where he's like, oh, no, we just go out there and play the game. I asked, do you want to hit him harder because of all the publicity that Johnny Manziel gets when he really hasn't done anything in the Canadian Football League? And he actually said that he really appreciates that he gets all that publicity and really hasn't performed because it shows you that you can't just come up to Canada and think you're going to own the place because you you know, you were a, a celebrity um, 
basically NFL cut that you could just go up there and play in the Canadian Football League easily. So it's kind of an interesting way to look at it. Uh, I think Calgary is going to win this game by 40. You heard it here first. And it's also um, it's also on Thanksgiving Monday. That should be a heck of a celebration up there. Oh, yeah. Calgary is going to be celebrating all night. I hope that Quebec is one of the provinces that, that uh, celebrates Thanksgiving. I know, I know that... Uh, I know that we're going to be celebrating it for them. We'll be here. Uh, we'll be on Twitter with all your updates on Mon- on uh, Monday. They kick off at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. I'm sure that some of you will be skipping work for that. So uh, just a reminder, 11 a.m. Mountain Time next week against Montreal Alouettes. We don't get any Canadian football uh, that we really care about this weekend, but go Stamps. Uh, good luck to Alex Singleton. We can't wait to see what you guys do uh, in beating down Johnny Manziel. And, and knowing that you're such a big fan, Montana Parlay, is there anything you want to add? Parlay them with the Grizz. There you go. You don't even know the lineup. Parlay the Calgary Stamps over the Alouettes with that Grizz, uh, the Grizz call that he just made in the previous segment. So that's our, uh, we're the, again, for the second week in a row, we're the number one in the United States Calgary Stampeders podcast. So thank you to all of our listeners for making us the number one American Calgary Stamps fan podcast. Thank you all. Exciting, right? Peters, 14 points is all. No, so, bet the house. Yeah. Bet the house. Bet every Calgary. single dollar that you have on those betting sites on the Calgary stamps to take down. Lock of the week. This is my lock of the week. Lock it down. This is where you make your money. This is last week's Eastern Washington Montana State game. So you heard it here first. So from one great segment to another fan favorite, it's time for the Osweiler watch. Yeah, so we have an update for you, and I almost feel bad that we have to take this one from uh, Bear Tycoon since he is such a humongous Osweiler fan and has been since the Broncos days. Brock got in this weekend. Did you know that? Well, that was a game I looked at the score and I started to cry because I might have had money on the Dolphins plus seven, and they just missed covering that spread by... 24 points. So, no, I did not watch it. Well, you should have. Because you missed out. Because Brock went four for five for 35 yards, a touchdown, and ran for seven more yards. That's a QB rating of 135. Yeah, he went off. So, you missed out by letting your gambling loss take away a great viewing opportunity. So, I hope that's a little bit of a lesson to you. um, That sometimes you have to look for the silver linings and things like I do a lot. You have to watch when you're when you're betting on the Miami Dolphins and they're losing. You have to hold out hope that our hometown hero Brock Osweiler is going to get into that game. So I really do hope that that's a lesson for you, Parlay, uh, to carry on for three weeks. Yeah. Well, uh, this week they take on the Cincinnati Bengals. Both teams are three and one. It's in Cincinnati. I don't think he's going to get in this week. What do you think? What's your well, prediction? If Tannehill plays like he did last week, our boy Brock should be running out of that tunnel at halftime. There we go. There's there's your prediction of the week is Brock is going to be starting the second half for Ryan Tannehill. Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll see if he can keep that 135.4 QB rating. It must be probably tops in the league. Early MVP pick uh, from here, from all of us here at uh, the Montana Men Sports Podcast, Brock Osweiler, our MVP in our hearts and, and looking like he's a strong candidate for MVP here in the 2018 season. 
All right. Well, after all of that, it's time to close it out. Is there any, any last words, uh, Montana Parlay? Do you think you'll be back anytime in the future to fill in for Bear Tycoon, or do you think he's going to start you know, taking on all of the responsibilities that he should be? I don't know. I think this podcast went between you know, 90 minutes and four hours. So between that and uh, all the money our listeners are going to lose by following our picks, this might be the last time you hear from me. I might end up buried in the desert somewhere. Well, we hope, we hope that's not the case, and we hope that we make a shit ton of money this week. But I do know that if you just wait, get done with all your Saturday games, and look at your losses, double that amount, put some new money on your account, and bet that Stamps game, you're going to come out a winner. So that's, there we go. So we're going to be watching that very closely. So once again, thank you to Montana Parlay for filling in for Bear Tycoon. It was pretty short notice and he came through. We had a great time tonight. So we also want to remind you to listen to the Grizz Fans Podcast, our junior varsity podcast that covers everything Grizz. Uh, You can find them on the iTunes store, Stitcher, the Android store. I think that's what they call them on Android. Is that right? Uh, Yeah. Google store. Is it the Google store? Google Play. Google Google Play. Google Play for all you and. See, that's why we have Montana Parley on here. He gives us the real information on how to get to our pods. So subscribe to us. Subscribe to the Grizz Fans Podcast. There's that political one uh, that you can also do if you look up Montana Mint. So thank you all for listening again. We had a great time. And uh, we'll see you next week. See you guys.